Last week, we started a two-part, can you call it a series if it's just two parts? But anyway, it's a, this is a continuation of last week's sermon that talk about the three T's of generosity. Now, for those of you who are here last week, pop quiz time. Do you all remember the first two T's? Time and talent. Oh my gosh, you all were paying attention. Um, and that could be boiled down to everybody needs a friend and a job, right? And remember how last week I talked about the difference between being a consumer versus a congregant, and that the bridge between the two is this third C word we call covenant. And it was great that even the kids knew what a covenant was, sort of, kind of. It's not just a bunch of rules and regulations or a written agreement, but rather a covenant is a sacred vow to be responsible for the well-being of one another. In other words, we are committing to being our sibling's keeper. Now, you may be asking yourself, what's a difference between a covenant and a contract, for example, especially you lawyers out there, not to point fingers at Taylor, but um, you know, there is this legal thing called a contract that stipulates the, um, the agreements in terms of the terms and conditions. And anytime you break a contract, what happens? Yes, that is right. A consumer mentality means that when you break a contract, you sue, which is as American as apple pie, right? However, what happens if you break a covenant? I would like to hope that when you break a covenant, a congregant comes back into right relationship, hopefully with an apology and a way to begin again in love. So a covenant is much more relational and less transactional than a contract is, right? Again, we want to move and shift from a consumer mentality to a congregant mentality. Keep that at the back of your minds as we talk about today's subject, which is as taboo as talking about sex. Ooh, I noticed your ears perked up whenever I mentioned that word, right? And this is the word money. And you know what? I figured as Unitarian Universalists, we do talk about sex. You know, this is a curriculum we call our whole lives, right? Many of your kids have gone through it. So why not talk about money as well? And bear in mind, at this point, I had the ushers shut the door so you can't leave. Um, you're stuck, because hear me out here. I think part of the reason why we're so hesitant to talk about money is because it comes with so much baggage and negative connotations from our late-stage capitalistic society, right? That what, what message do you hear whenever you turn on, well, nobody turns on the radio anymore, but whenever you listen to an advertisement on TV or whenever you hear what a marketing slogan is about. What you hear is 
you are nobody. You are not worthy unless you buy this product, right? And it's basically a take on Descartes' I think therefore I am. The Dodge here in America is more like, I shop, therefore I am, right? And what did former president, I hate to even hesitate to mention his name, but it's uh, W. Bush, right? What did he say? I know several of you are saying, oh, I'm not gonna take a political position here. I wanna keep our 501c3 status. But what did he say right after 9-11? Go shopping. Remember that? That to be an American, to be patriotic, you have to tie your identity to being a consumer. And you know what? Sometimes we in the religious world are no better. Because ever heard the term church shopping? That I'm looking for a new religious community. I'm looking for a new house of worship. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go shopping. In fact, some of you have mentioned that to me, that when you were looking around for a church, this was the first one that was on your list. And thank goodness you never left since, right? But there are others who go from church to church to church to try to see if they could get what they want out of it. So it comes from this very consumeristic mentality of what do I get for my membership in a congregation? As if we were like joining a membership at the museum next door, for example, where you, you, know, you get a certain amount of free passes and all of that, right? And it's true that as a member of Fourth U, you do get to vote during our congregational meeting, right? That is one of the benefits. And you do get to have my services for free whenever you want to get married or whenever you want me to bury somebody. But I would like to think that it's a lot more than that. And unlike other religious traditions who shall not be named, we don't even sell tickets to make sure that you have a seat here on Sunday mornings or for the high holy days, right? So we don't have a membership due per se. And unlike, again, that commercial that many of you are familiar with, membership has its privileges. But what are the privileges that you get out of being in covenant with one another here at Fourth Universalist? How's this for being countercultural and how's this for approaching this from a congregate perspective? We give you the message that you are enough, that you are worthy, that each of you has inherent worth and dignity, and that there is enough to go around that we don't need to dwell in this scarcity mentality. I love what Lynn Twist said about what having enough means. She says, having enough is not an amount, it's a state of being. Don't you love that? That there's more than enough money out there because money is a renewable resource and there's not a limited amount. In fact, tell this to the federal government who just print more money, right, and circulate it out there. What we're dealing with, however, are people who somehow think that there isn't enough money and that they need to hoard that money all to themselves. Talk about the 1%, right? So, but even then, it 
feels like they probably don't even think they make enough money. So again, money is not a dollar figure, it's a state of being. And I wanna read you a, another um, uh, a quote. And, um, and, I, and before I get there though, I wanna, I, I wanna just mention that, you know, I, I've heard people ask, so if you're saying, Jennifer, that in order to get involved and in order to live into our covenant and in order to be in right relationship with the congregation, what do I need to do? How much money do I need to give? Well, I'm not gonna tell you an exact figure, but let me just say that that Frappuccino that you walked out of that certain store from, if membership in this congregation or your pledge is less than that, what does that say about your commitment to our congregation, right? And I was just talking to another congregant um, a couple of weeks ago about how what makes us different here at Fourth U is that we don't have product placements. Because notice how I, I haven't mentioned yet what these places are or these credit cards are or these coffee shops are, right? And we don't have corporate sponsors. And we don't, have, we don't run banner ads on our website. Ever notice that? But rather, where we get our income from is through this thing that we call pledging. So what is a pledge? And why do we not have enough, for example, to have our renters pay for our entire budget? And just to be upfront and transparent with you out there, because those of you who were here in June voted for a budget that had a deficit of $150,000, right? That's a large figure. And the good news is we have enough to meet that deficit budget. The bad news, it's all in your wallets and it's all in your pockets right now, right? So again, I love this quote from Michelle Obama who says, be grateful for what you have and be ready to share it when the time comes. And what I love about that is it's basically the definition of thanksgiving. So be grateful is the thanks part and sharing is the giving part. That you have to have one and the other, right? That it goes hand in hand together, thanksgiving. And so what would that mean if we were to view our giving in that way? that we come at it because we do have enough, because we are enough, and we see the need out there that calls us to share our resources with one another. Now, let me tell you a story. I came to this country as an immigrant when I was 12 years old. And at the time, my parents didn't even have enough money for a one-way ticket for just me and my mom to come to this country, right? So she had to borrow money from her friends. And I started thinking to myself, what would have happened if she didn't have that friend to borrow money from? I wouldn't be standing here in front of you today. Now that was not appropriate to say amen, by the way. You know, that was not, you know, even though if you think like, yeah, anyway, 
So I thought about that and I thought, well, yeah, there are times when we are in need. And let me just tell you what some of the needs are of this congregation. And I know it's not really glamorous to talk about how we need to keep the lights on, but look at these gorgeous rainbow-colored LED lights and how they shine as a beacon of hope for a Black transgender woman who has been experiencing spiritual abuse from the congregation and the religious institution of their childhood, right? How much hope would these bright rainbow LED lights offer that person? And how about this building itself, this wonderful edifice? Any of you who are homeowners will know that owning a building, owning a home is a money pit, right? And so it does cost money to maintain this beautiful building. And this is the same building that provided a sanctuary to a undocumented Guatemalan mother by the name of Aura Hernandez. So this is what we use the building for in addition to providing a sanctuary for you Sunday after Sunday, right? And maybe the building or the budget, I should say, is used to pay for postage. And that postage goes towards a postcard that we write to people living in states where there isn't the same level of freedom, perhaps, for people of color to vote or for people who lived in certain zip codes to make sure that their voices are heard. And yes, it does go towards staff salary as well, including my own. And no, unlike certain religious traditions, I did not take a vow of poverty. Did you just hear my mom say amen to that? And, you know, to quote from Moulin Rouge, a girl's gotta eat, right? Sorry, did I just quote uh, from a horror? Or, I'm sorry, that was a, a good thing to say, a sex worker from, the, from that show? Anyway, so the point is that when we are in covenant with one another, we are making a sacred vow and a sacred promise to say that each of us have inherent worth and dignity, that each of us are more than dollars and cents, that each of us have a way to live into our interdependence because that is the way to buck this late stage capitalist culture. And I'm not gonna go on because I don't want this to sound like a guilt trip. Because this is the other thing about being Unitarian Universalist, right? We can't even guilt you with the threat of going to hell if you don't tithe or if you don't donate money to this congregation because we don't believe in hell. So that's the loophole, isn't it, of that argument? So I could only encourage you by saying that when we do give, we live more fully into the whole Thanksgiving aspect of it by being both grateful and sharing when the time comes. And besides, you don't want to piss off Michelle Obama, do you? Not that she's easily pissed off, Miss when they go low, we go high, woman, you know? But needless to say, 
I want to take this opportunity to practice that myself and thank each and every single one of you for making sure that the legacy of Fourth Universalist goes on and that in the future, we'll, our kids will still have an opportunity to live into who they are and become responsible citizens in the world. And for us to be able to come together Sunday after Sunday, sharing our joys and sorrows with one another. And I wanna thank you for the financial contribution for the generous donor who made sure that Giving Tuesday is made possible this year with a matching grant. And the question I wanna ask you moving forward is are you ready to share when the time comes? Can I get a yes or an amen? I heard it from two people. Come on, y'all could do better than that. Can I get a yes? All right, I'm glad you said yes because Taylor is about to come up. The time has come for our offering. Hi, and welcome to Getting the Message, where we dive a little bit deeper in today's service themes. Reverend Jonifer, it's great to get to sit down again. Thank you, Jennifer. It's good to be here. So you decided to do the daring thing <laughs> and talk about money in a message here today. What inspired you? What, what, you know, what, was, what was the reasoning for, for touching the, the controversial topic? Well, ministry is all about afflicting the comfortable or comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable, right? And so I think sometimes that we get a bit too complacent and a little bit too comfortable and not tackle the subjects that might trigger people or might be too challenging to talk about. And I figured since for our, you, you will notice, for our religious education um, curriculum, we cover the topic of sex through this wonderful program called Our Whole Lives Are Power. And so why not talk about money? Because we all have to deal with it in our lives and um, in the church's life as well, we have to deal with this whole issue. I think that's that's true. We can't we can't avoid a topic. Um, even if we even if we'd like to try. <laughs> well I think you know uh, part of it is talking about like our responsibility as people who are part of this community. Um, and one of the big UU concepts for community is that we are in covenant with each other, that that is kind of what brings us together. You know, other, other traditions use the language of covenant, but it's, you know, much more like covenant with God, whereas in our UU tradition, it's about covenant with each other and how we're going to behave and what we're going to contribute to the community and pledging and helping make sure that the congregation continues is, I think, you know, part of that covenant. Indeed, and I don't want to exclude the people who say that covenant also includes God in their cosmology or theology. Sure. Um, and um, you're right in that it's a much broader concept for us because we're non-credo people, so we don't really um, subscribe to a rigid set of beliefs, but one of the values that we do share is generosity, and I love the fact that the revision of Article 2 has generosity as one of the, um, you know, I'm looking at the graphic illustration. What's one of the petals in the flower? Yeah, whatever you call it, you know, with love in the seventh place. And that generosity allows us mm -hmm. to open up our hearts and our minds and um, extend it to others who may be in need because like you were saying earlier and as I mentioned in my sermon 
a covenant is all about being responsible for each other's well-being. It's to be our siblings keeper. It's to say that there are going to be times when you're going to need help and I have enough, so I'll share with you and vice versa. So we're all in this together. I think that's definitely, yeah, it's definitely part of our ability to, to help care for each other. And that includes in, in financial ways because we do, you know, to, to quote the internet, we we live in a society um, and money is, you know, for, we, we live in a capitalist society and money is a part of, of that reality. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, that it's also really important that we make sure that the congregation is financially sustainable. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, we have to deal with the reality that, you know, there's building to maintain, staff that, that has to be paid, you know, all of these things, they, they do involve a certain level of financial stability for us as a congregation and for us to be able to continue the work we do into the future. Indeed. And as I mentioned, it may not be as planners talk about brick and mortar kind of stuff, but underneath all of that is these things are here to serve our mission and to move our Unitarian Universalist values forward, right? So um, there, that's why I kind of went deeper in my sermon in terms of the why of why have a building, why have staff, why have a religious education program, why have great music here. It's all in service of our mission, which is basically to increase the sum of love Injustice in this world because we could always a little bit more of that. And since for a few has been around since 1838, we're hoping that it's going to be around for a few hundred more years. 2238, 20, even. <laughs> Indeed. No, I think there's a lot of truth to that. One of the things that I have, you know, experienced in my work doing uh, ministry and church work is that so much of that work is in the, the, as I like to say, the nitty gritty. It's in, you know, having those small moments, having the space, and that includes the physical space to be able to sometimes hold that physical space for people when they need a place to come to, to process things. So ministry can really happen in the nitty gritty. Indeed. Reverend Jennifer, thanks so much for sitting down and talking with me today. Thank you, Edward, as always. And thank you, as always, to all of our listeners. Mm -hmm.